If you will please turn to Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms, Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27. And Brother Tim, Brother Timothy, would you turn that? This row of light is, lights are off, and that's bothering me this morning. Would you turn those lights on for me, please? Psalm chapter 27 in your Bibles. And uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us out of respect for the reading of God's Word. There you go. Thank you, brother. Psalm chapter 27 in your Bibles this morning. And we're going to read the first seven verses or so, and then we'll preach just for a few minutes today. And uh, let me just say, and I said this Wednesday night, but let me just say thank you for allowing Miss Tammy and I to get away just for a little bit. We had a good time away and uh, able to make a connection with, uh, with the kids and the grandkids and, and uh, little Josiah and Leah. They don't even hardly know who we are, you know. And so we were able to at least make a little bit of a, a, little bit of a bond with them. And anyway, we thank you for allowing us to get away just for, just for a little while. Psalm chapter 27. And look, if you will, please, at verse number one. And the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, he's off to a pretty good start, is he not? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Man, what a great psalm. What a great psalm. It preaches itself. And I, just for a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about this subject, a priority of one. I wanted to come up with a better title than that, but that just where I, that's where I kept coming back to. And, uh, and so a priority of one. That's sort of, when I was reading this, that's sort of what the Lord gave to me. And I want to try to share that with you today if I could. And so you may be seated this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us. How many know we need God this morning? Amen. We need his help today. And so let's ask him to help us right now. And I believe that he will. Father, we thank you for your blessings and for the privilege to, to be back at Calvary Baptist Church today. My soul, Lord, we love this place. And God, we, we love the house of God. But more than that, I pray that we'll love the God of the house. And Father, thank you for your blessings already today. Lord, honestly, if we had the closing prayer right now, it would have been worth coming. It's been so great. God, my, my spirit has already been energized even to this point. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our dear Calvary family, bless our dear, uh, dear Calvary family and others who are watching by way of live stream today. And God, I pray that you would minister in a big way today. I pray that Jesus Christ will increase 
And Heavenly Father, I pray that while he increases, we shall decrease. And I pray that all eyes and all attention will be on him. Father, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so I sure pray that you'll help us this morning. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'll work in the hearts and lives of your people and in my heart today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. It always helps us if we have just a little bit of a background behind the Psalms. In Psalm chapter 27, some have suggested that David penned the words to this great psalm upon hearing of the death of his son Absalom. Most of you, many of you know that story. Absalom had risen up in rebellion against his own father, and at least for a while he had stolen the kingdom away. But now his fate has caught up with him. And Absalom is hanging dead in a tree by the hair of his own head, by the way. His hair was his glory. He had very long hair. And the Bible says that he has run up underneath a, a branch of a tree and his hair gets tangled in the branch. And the Bible says the mule walked on and Absalom is hanging in the tree. And the Bible says that one of David's mighty men comes up and he takes some arrows and and. Literally, he shoots Absalom right through the heart and kills Absalom. But we find in Psalm chapter 27 that David makes an amazing statement. And it really is an amazing statement. And I want to share it with you today if I could. Notice, if you will, verse number 4. David said in, in Psalm 27 and verse 4, one thing. Well, notice those words. One thing, those are the words that stood out to me as I was reading this in my devotions. The psalmist said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And then he said, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that one thing he said, I'm going to seek after. By the way, kind of remind us this morning that when David penned this psalm, that he penned it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Had David meant to say two things, these two things I do, or had David meant to say these three things have I desired, he could have very easily said that. But that's not what he said. David said, one thing have I desired, and that thing will I seek after. David said, there's one thing that I have made a priority in my life. And I want to put a, a bold statement on your screen this morning. We notice here in Psalm chapter 27 that David changed his priorities to one major priority in his life. You say, preacher, what was that priority? That priority was to dwell in the house of the Lord. David placed a high, a very high precedent on the place of worship. Now, uh, there may be some here, that, and I don't think there are, but there may be some who may look at this and read this and say, well, you know what, preacher, I, I really don't think that's necessarily what David was talking about, but I'm gonna be honest, I'm pretty sure it was. In fact, if you back up nine verses to Psalm chapter 26, and verse number eight, 
Look what the psalmist said. In verse number eight, David said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. I'll not make you go there, but Psalm 65 and verse number four, David said, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. And again, I'll not have you go there for sake of time. But again, I remind you in Psalm chapter 84 and verse number 10, the psalmist said, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. And that's where the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know what David is saying? David is sending us a great, and it is, it's a great message today. David is saying, I am most certainly, most definitely, absolutely going to make one thing a priority in my house, and that priority is the house of God. Now, you know what? If you read that any other way, I don't know how you can get anything else out of that message. Uh, David said, this one thing, he said, I have a desire to the Lord, and that will I seek after. And uh, now I know, I know you're you're here today, and, and you say, well, preacher, you know what? We have a lot of other concerns, and I've got cares, and I've got responsibilities, and I've got all these other things. And, and I understand that this morning. Listen, I, uh, uh, you know, the more you learn, the more you learn you don't know. But, but after pastoring for 29 years, I know that people have a lot of concerns and they have a, a lot of things going on. And so I, I pastor some of the hardest working people in the whole wide world. And I mean that. I mean, most of you, many of you have uh, an unbelievable work ethic and all those kind of things. And I know you've got a lot going on. But, but I just want to say this. Make sure that you keep the main thing the main thing. And so I, I want to say, you know what, I know you've got other cares, but just don't let those other cares become the main priority in your life. You know what, I am a, I, I'm, I'm an encourager for vacation. And we're in vacation season right now. And so you say, preacher, do you encourage your people to go on vacation? Absolutely. You know what, sometimes you need to get away. Somebody said, if you don't come apart, you'll come apart. Amen. And sometimes you need to get away. I want to encourage you. Man, go to your place of vacation. Go, go to the coast. Go to Florida. Go to Gatlinburg. Go to the mountains. Go to Blowing Rock. Uh, you know what? Take a vacation. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But this is all I'm saying. Don't let vacation become the priority. Yeah. Amen. I'm gonna, listen, I'm going to amen myself whether you amen or not this morning. You know what? The truth of the matter is, for some people, they live on vacation. And God never created you, and God never created me to always be on vacation day after day, week after week. Again, a work a job. I want you to have a good work ethic and support your family and have a nice house and drive a nice car if that's God's light in your life. And, and, I, and I'm all for that. But this is all I'm saying. Don't let job or work or career, don't let that become the priority. You young people, I want you to be involved in dating, in courtship. I want you boys to be interested in girls. Oh boy, do I want you boys to be interested in girls. And I want you girls to be interested in boys. And by the way, that's the way it is supposed to be. 
And I've just come from a place where it is not that way a lot of times. And so I want you to be involved in courtship. But this is all I'm saying today. Don't let a boyfriend or a girlfriend become the main priority in your life. I'm not preaching against you having a hobby. Have a hobby. If you want to go play golf, man, go hit balls all around that pastor. I mean, just, you know what, you play golf and go fishing and go hunting and, and play softball and, and, uh, and, and you know what, whatever hobby you like to do, deer hunting, whatever you like to do, man, do it. And, and I'm not against you having a hobby. This is all I'm saying. Don't let the hobby become the priority in your life. If you want to have a big family, have a big family. If you want to have child after child, we're for it. Man, we, we want to build the church. Amen. But I would say this. Don't let children have the priority. So people have one, two, three, four, five children. And then they say, well, you know what, preacher? I got so many kids, can't come to church. You just went off the rails. I'm not against you having kids. Have kids. Have a big family. Have a nice home and all those kind of things. But this is all I'm preaching this morning. Make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. I want to put another statement on your screen this morning, and it's this. Busyness leads to preoccupation, which leads to distraction. It is the ploy that's often used by the enemy to remove many from the will of God. And by that church, I mean this. The enemy often will supply something that's not necessarily a bad thing to take the place of the main thing. Oh, mercy, I hope you'll hear me out this morning. You sort of preacher, I'm not involved in sin. I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't know your life. I don't know. You know. Only God sees your heart. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to, uh, to, to pick on you this morning. But I'm just saying this, if, if, you don't, if you're not careful, we need to understand that Satan is subtle. He's sneaky. And before you know it, man, he'll supply something in your life that's not necessarily sinful. But before you know it, that thing that's not necessarily sinful becomes the major preoccupation in your life. And that busyness and that preoccupation leads to distraction. Did you know that back during wartime, military soldiers are trained that if they are, if, if they're, apprehended during war and placed into a POW camp. That those prisoners of war are always supposed to be trying to escape. They're supposed to be digging tunnels. They're supposed to be trying to clip barbed wire. Always trying to escape. You know why that is? Because they want to keep the enemy so busy protecting prisoners that they can't actually fight the real battle. Man. Did you know that Satan will come if you're not careful? And he'll provide so many other distractions in your life that before you know it, you're so busy doing this and so busy doing that and so busy doing the other that before you know it, you know what? The Lord is just an afterthought. You've just taken the ministry and God and God's house and you've just placed it on the back burner and this is all I'm saying this morning. Make sure that you keep the main thing, the main thing this morning. I love it. I love this thought. You know what David is teaching us here in Scripture? 
This is what David is saying in Psalm chapter 27. David is saying this. I'm going to simplify my priorities. David said this. There's one thing I'm going to prioritize. And then he said, I'll let everything else take. I'll let God take care of the rest. Now look, look back at it again. Psalm 27 verse 4. After everything that David has been through, David says one thing, not two things. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and acquire in his temple. Now, same chapter, same chapter. But I want you to find your place in verse number 11. I love this. Psalm 27, verse 11. And David said, teach me thy way, O Lord. Here it is. And lead me in a, what kind of path? Lead me in a plain path. Lead me, Lord, lead me in a plain path. Look it up. You know what it means? Level. You know what, David? Now, now, now get this. Oh, man. You know what? I'm, I'm so afraid you're not going to get it this morning. You know what David is saying? Lord, I'm just going to simplify my life. I've got so many other things that I could, uh, that I could give a priority to. But David said, Lord, I'm just going to simplify my life. And, and he said, I'm going to have one main priority. And he said, you're going to be that priority. Your house is going to be that priority. And, and Lord, I'll just let everything else just, just sort of fall into place. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto thee. And uh, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm going to make this the main priority in my life. I'm going to simplify and I'll let you take care of the rest. And I'm telling you, it would be a life-changing day for all those who hear me today that would say, you know what, preacher, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to simplify my life. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to do God's will. He's going to be the main thing in my life, the main point in my life, the main priority in my life. And I promise you, it would be a decision that you would never regret. David said, I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. Now, real quickly this morning, in closing, let me just give you a few things a few practical applications concerning David's decision. Number one, we notice that God's house offered protection to David. Look at your scripture, Psalm 27, verse number five. And David said, for in the time of trouble, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Hey, Calvary, I'm not even going to tell you that I even know how to explain all of this. But I believe what I'm about to tell you. That attendance to the house of God will serve as a protection for you. It will protect your marriage. It will protect your children. It will protect your home. It will protect your mind. I'm going to tell you, with everything that's going on in our nation today, the internet, all these different things, all the things that our kids have access to. Man, if I had my teenagers anywhere, I'd have them at the house of God. Because the house of the Lord will protect your mind. It'll protect your emotional well-being. Uh, Matthew 18, 20 says this, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Well, I want to be where he is. 
Matthew 16, verse 18, And I say unto thee, Thou art also Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, listen, church, this is all I'm saying this morning. When you make a decision to remove yourself from the house of God, please understand something. I believe that you are removing yourself from the protecting hand of Almighty God. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I, I understand all that, but I just know this. After all these years serving the Lord and after all these years going to church, it works. Amen. You say, preacher, can you explain all the ins and outs and all the ifs and ands and all the buts? No, I can't. But I'm just telling you, it works, it works, it works, it works. Jesus works, Jesus works. Jesus is the remedy. Jesus is the remedy for the problem that our, our world is having today. And the reason that we are falling apart at the seams, and I'm not just talking about the world, but I'm talking about a lot of people that claim to be Christians is because they have removed themselves from that one main priority, the house of the Lord. And when they did so, they took themselves out of that haven. We know here at Calvary Baptist Church that the Old Testament is an illustration of New Testament truth. I don't think there's any doubt really that Abraham is a type or a picture of the family of God. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Under thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 8 says, And there... He built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Genesis chapter 13, verse number 18. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. I believe that Abram, Abraham is a picture of the family of God. Most of you remember the story. Abraham had a nephew. His name was Lot. Interesting story that whenever Lot was with Uncle Abraham, he was always blessed. He had plenty. He was protected. He was safe. He was secure. As long as he stayed in the family of God, everything turned out well. But most of you also know the story. That the Bible says in Genesis chapter 13 that Abraham, or that Lot, that Lot lifted up his eyes and looked on the well-watered plains of Sodom. And it looked like the garden of God. And the Bible says some very sad words there uh, in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 13. The Bible says, and they, talking about Lot and Abraham, and they separated themselves the one from the other. By the way, read the story for yourself. When Lot separated from Abraham, when Lot separated from the family of God, it was all downhill from there. I mean, his life literally began to fall apart. I mean, literally, uh, some, of the most, uh, some of the most horrific stories in the Bible are about Lot. And the Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul and ended up a terrible blot in the Word of God. Why? Because somewhere along the line, Lot lost the protection of Almighty God. Now listen, that's all I'm saying, church. You say, preacher, I, I, listen, the, the best advice that I could give to a young person this morning is this. Just plant yourself in God's house and don't ever go anywhere. 
And I don't know about all this pandemic thing. I, you know, we've all, got, we've all got opinions and things like that. And I'm sure that there are some government officials that are trying to look out for our well-being. But don't you be so gullible as to think that underlying all of this, there is a plot of the devil to try to make people believe that the house of God is no longer essential. That all we need, all we need, sir, all we need is an internet. All we need is a camera. No, sir, we need God's house. We need one another. We need what we're getting this morning. We need it. We notice here that God's house offered protection today. I've got to hurry. How about this? Number two, we notice that God's house offered perspective to David. Oh, I love it. What do you mean, pastor? It helped him keep his eyes on the Lord. Psalm 27 verse 4, our text verse, look at it again. Psalm 27 verse 4, David said one thing. Have I a desire of the Lord? That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Here it is. To behold the what? The beauty. Oh, isn't he beautiful? When's the last time you gazed on his glory? <laughs> Can we just call a little time out real quick? Man, when's, 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 when's the last time you just basked in his glory? When's the last time, man, a song just got a hold of you? When's the last time a message just got a hold of you and, and you just were reminded how great, how wonderful, how glorious, how powerful, how amazing, how gracious, how generous, how good, how great he is? The psalmist said about him, he's my glory. He's the lifter of my head. Hannah said, there is none holy as the Lord. For there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. I want to tell you what, there is no rock like the God we serve today at Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. Let me tell you what God's house does. It, it offers perspective. You understand that David could have been easily distracted. David had a lot going on. He was the king. A lot of people loved him. But a lot of people hated him. David had some mighty big enemies. David had some pretty big, big hills to try to overcome. I love it. But David made a point to always be in that place that pointed him to the Lord. You know what, Calvary? We're living in a time that offers much distraction. I'm going to be honest with you. The other day, after watching the news, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He honestly convicted me. And I've tried to really, really monitor the amount of news that I watch. After, I mean, it's been, it's been weeks now. You know, it's easy to get distracted. When you look at the pandemic and you look at the economy, you look at the protests, it's interesting, too, that my wife and I, while we were in some of the largest cities in America, did we hardly see one protester? Makes you wonder if maybe the media is hyping this up a little bit. 
But anyway, it's easy to become distracted. But may I say this morning, you and I need a place that keeps pointing us back to the God who's all sufficient. We need a place where we talk about him. We need a place where we worship him. You're saying, what was, what, what, what was going on, preacher? Miss Lori was singing. I saw some people raising their hand. Did they have a question? No, they didn't have a question. You know what? God was working in their heart, and they just wanted to lift their holy hands to praise to the Lord. He's worthy of praise. We need a place that, where we preach about him and teach about him and pray to him and praise him, a place that keeps pointing us back and pointing us back and pointing us back. To the Savior. Man, what, what an illustration. But God gave me this illustration. And this is going to be for the older folks. You young whippersnappers will not understand this illustration. So for those folks like Miss Ann, and, and anyway, but anyway. and uh, Years ago, when I was a kid, and we would go on vacation to Florida, there was a place back then that was very well known, and it was called, and it was just a hole in the wall. It was called Stuckey's. And we would be on our way to Florida, and Stuckey's was, you say, what was it, preacher? It was a little, little restaurant, didn't have very many tables in it. A little souvenir shop, had cheap, it was like the dollar store. I mean, it really was. Had saltwater taffy. Uh, it had, occasionally it'd have fruit, it'd have oranges and things like that, and you could get something to eat or buy a souvenir. But you know the thing about Stuckey's is that while you're on your trip, it seemed like every other billboard said Stuckey's, 10 miles. Stuckey's, 9.7 miles. Stuckies, 9.5 miles. <laughs> and we're just, you know, and, and, and you got to understand something too, but when we were kids, we didn't, have, we didn't have all these devices and we didn't know what an iPad was or a cell phone was. And, and, uh, and mom and dad would say, just look out the window and enjoy the trip, you know. And we're just, and we're reading these Stuckey signs, Stuckey, 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 Stuckey. You know, it was just a little hole in the wall, but by the time you got there, you wanted to stop. You had to see it. You know why? Because you've been so reminded of it. So reminded of it. So reminded of it. You know why it's so important for you and I to be in the house of God? Because it's in this place where we're reminded of him and reminded of him and reminded of him and reminded of him. And we're pointing you to Jesus and pointing you to Jesus while the world's pointing you to politicians and the world's pointing you to protests and the world is pointing you to problems. You come here and we're going to point you to the Son of God. We're going to point you to the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. We notice here that it offered protection, it offered perspective. We're done, but man, oh man, we notice that God's house offered prevailing joy to David. Would you look with me at verse number six? David said, And now I've made this my priority. And now, Shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me? Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of what? Sacrifices of joy. And then David said, I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises 
unto the Lord. Did you know the right kind of church ought to be a place that offers joy? Not solemnity, not sadness. Don't get me wrong. There'll be some solemn times. I understand that. But listen to what God said in Amos 5.21. God said, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. I'm just going to tell you this morning, the church house shouldn't resemble the funeral home. And if you're attending a church or those of you watching my live stream today are attending a church and everything is dead, the music is dead, the preaching is dead, the singing is dead, it's just, a, it's just one big gigantic graveyard. You know what? Maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to get out of there and find you a place where you can receive the joy of the Lord. You say, big deal? I think so. Because in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10, the Bible reminds us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Pretty big deal, I think so. Because in Galatians chapter 5, the apostle Paul reminded us that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy. You walk into church that's down, 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 Dead, dead, dead. Unwelcome. That is not a spirit-filled church. David said one thing. One priority. I'm simplifying my life. I'm going to make this house. I'm going to make God the priority in my life. I'll let everything else take care of itself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. We were in Bible college. We flew. We flew right there close this week. We we were in Chicago for a couple hours. Whenever we fly into Chicago, we're always looking out the window trying to see if we can see if we can locate landmarks. And we had a bus route in a place called North Lake, Illinois. And every Sunday morning, we would run that bus and pick up some wonderful kids. One of those little girls' names was Nancy, Nancy Rivera. Nancy lived on the second story, a little apartment building there in North Lake, Illinois. It's not there anymore. They built a grocery store there now, I think. And every Saturday morning, or every Saturday, we'd run by and knock on the door, and we'd visit with Nancy a little while. and say, Nancy, you coming tomorrow? Yes, preacher, I'll be there. Sunday morning, the bus driver would drop me off. I'd head to Nancy's apartment building, run up that first flight of stairs, first door on the right, knock on the door. It was this way every Sunday. Nancy would come to the door. She'd crack it open about six or seven inches. She said, hey, Brother Steve, let me get my lunch, and I'm coming. I'd say, okay, Nancy. I'd stand at the door. Uh, Hispanic family. Her mother was always just rattling off in a Spanish tongue. I don't know what she was saying, but she was just always. Nancy had a little sister. Her name was Susie. Just a little tiny little tot. Black hair. Eyes looked like black buttons and cute as a, just cute as she can be. 
And every Sunday morning, a little Susie would be peering around the door. Her hands on the door. She'd be peering around the door at the big church man. I could always see through the crack of the door, and through the crack of the door, I could see their television, and her daddy was always doing the same thing. Every Sunday morning, he was playing video games. You could hear stuff blowing up, and hand grenades going off, and machine guns firing, and I mean, it was just, it was a place of commotion. Every Sunday morning, it was like that, just a, almost chaotic, except one Sunday. We went by on Sunday morning, my bus driver opened the door, I walked off, I ran to Nancy's apartment building up that first flight of stairs, door to the right. Knocked on the door, little Nancy, about 10 years old. Came to the door, and as always, she cracked the door open about seven inches. She said, hey, preacher, hey, hey, Brother Steve, let me get my lunch, and I'm coming. I said, okay, Nancy. I watched her. She went back to the kitchen to get her lunch, and I noticed as I looked through the crack of the door, the TV was turned off. Daddy wasn't playing any video games that day. I noticed that Nancy went by, got her, she got her lunch all by herself, and Mama wasn't there rattling off in a Spanish tongue. And I noticed on this day there was no little Susie that was peering around the door of the big church man. In fact, on this Sunday, Nancy came back, she came to the door, and this time as she came out of the door, she pulled the door shut, she took a key, she locked the door, and we walked down the steps. And on the way to the bus, I said, Nancy, your house is so quiet today. She said, yeah. I said, what's going on? She said, well, preacher, she said, this morning, she said, my aunt and uncle, my cousins came over, and she said, they got my mom and dad and Susie, they all got ready, and she said, they went to Great America. I said, Nancy. Nancy. What about you? She stopped, she looked at me, she said, preacher, it's Sunday. You're supposed to go to church on Sunday. I don't know where Nancy will be in that line at the judgment seat of Christ. I've got a big, big feeling that that little bus kid is going to receive some pretty big rewards. Because somewhere along the line, the little 10-year-old Chicago bus kid said this, one thing, one thing. I'm going to make God a priority in my life. I just wonder about you this morning. Is he the main thing in your life today? Would you bow your heads with me all over the house? Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together today. Lord, I pray that during this invitation that maybe some Christians would come and gather around this old-fashioned altar and just kneel or stand or sit or whatever they need to do. But I pray that they would find their way to an old-fashioned altar, and today they would say, God, by the grace of God, we're going to make you the main priority in our life. This one thing I do. I don't know about what my friends are going to do, what my family's going to do, but this one thing I do. Lord, I pray that you'll work in hearts, and I pray you'll bring the increase in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question real quickly? Let's all stand, if you would. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd like to use the altar, now's a great time. Just go ahead and tiptoe down. Make your way to the altar right now. And hey, Calvary, let's use the altar. Man, let's don't ever get away from using the altar. It's very possible there could be somebody here today who would say, preacher, 
if I died today, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. And I sure want you to pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down the aisle. But I'll tell you what I would like to do. I sure would like to pray for you this morning. Hey, folks are continuing to come. Now's a great time to make a move. I wonder if there may be one. I'm going to put my glasses on so I can see. And I wonder if there may be one here this morning would say, Brother Pope, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please remember me in prayer right now? You'd slip your hand up really high so I don't miss you. Is there one like that right now? You'd raise your hand say, Preacher, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one? Raise it real high. I see that little hand. Is there another? Is there another preacher? Pray for me. Pray for me. Then I would ask, I would ask you to do this, then, child of God. Examine your life. Is he that one main priority in your life? You say, preacher, I don't, I don't know if I can say that, okay? Why don't you do business with the Lord today? It'd be the greatest decision you've ever made. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto thee. We're going to pause just for a little bit while folks are using the altar. And if you need to come, listen, we're here. We're going to make our way to the main floor. If you need prayer, if you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you. You come this morning. While we wait, this, this next stanza is going to be just for you. You come today while we wait.